In sports, success comes from preparation and a solid game plan. Success in life is no different. Mark Knight is the lead pastor of Epicenter Church where we worship God, love people, and do life. Join us in discovering the greatest game plan ever written, the Bible. way to, to, to embrace what God has done for you is not by applause, but it's by living His Word. It's by following His ways. In fact, these three passages of Scripture that we've looked at, I want you to grab this. S- scholars say this. They say that these three passages are deep with the concept of divine appointments. But I think it's deeper than that. I think these three passages of Scripture talk to us about divine interruptions that ultimately become divine appointments. Let me explain that. This week, our youngest child, Jacob, he was trying to get my attention. I'm writing this sermon, and I had this concept, and I'm beginning to write this sermon down. And as I'm writing this sermon down, and I'm trying to stay because I'm focused because my ADD, and I'm writing this down, and he's coming in, and he's saying, Dad, I want you to see this. Dad, I want you to see this. And I'm holding my hand up saying, Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm beginning to view him as an interruption and then I realized, hold on for a second, the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, he's not the interruption, he's the appointment. And so, time out for a second, because then I thought, well, you know what, there's a world around us that we view as interruptions when really they're worthy of being called divine appointments. We take our day planner and we schedule the big things like going to church, praying, giving to God, but but yet when it gets outside of the big things, it kind of cramps our style if we're interrupted by God. But there is a world around us of divine interruptions that are worthy of being called divine appointments. It is the divine interruptions and how we respond to them that is the truest test of our obedience. So the question is, why am I here? That's the question. Why am I here? Before you can answer that question, why am I here? You must first answer the previous question, who's following who? Are you following Jesus? Is Jesus the center of your heart? Is he the center of your universe? Does your heart beat to his heartbeat? Because you see, many of us call ourselves Christ followers, but we're not following Jesus. We've actually asked Jesus to follow us. We call him Savior, but we haven't surrendered to him as Lord. And the very first moment that we have to go through a door that we do not like, that God is calling us to go through, because we've created this meistic gospel and we're not comfortable with this door, then we begin to look at that door and tell God, this may be your will, but I'm not going. And then we have the audacity to say, why am I here? Because we like to be comfortable. We, we like things to be convenient, but... but God's telling you to go through a certain door to go and, and you're saying no. Isn't it quiet up in God's house today? Listen, let me just be honest with you. I heard an old preacher one time, he said to me, he said, you know, sometimes you have to preach to where people need to be and sometimes you have to rip off the, 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 the glasses, the rose-colored glasses that they're wearing and preach to them where they are now. You see... The Word of God says that He's called us to live this lifestyle that we've just described. Not necessarily a lifestyle of convenience, but a lifestyle of obedience. Because let me tell you something.
God will oftentimes send you through doors that are not congruent with your desires. Let me say that again. Sometimes God will send you through doors that are not congruent with your desires. And some of you are saying, well, hold on, Pastor Mark. The Bible says that he'll give us the desires of our heart. Well, hold on a second. Don't take the Bible out of context. Because that promise has more to do with the condition of your heart than it does the provision of his hand. God is willing to give you the desires of your heart if your heart and the condition of your heart lines up with the conditions of his word. You see, God will call you to go through doors that are not necessarily attractive. They're not the most beautiful doors, but he's driving you to go through them because he wants you to surrender all of you to all of him. And he wants you to go through those doors with every ounce of strength, with every ounce of energy, with every ounce of trust, with every ounce of faith, with every ounce of obedience. And at the time that you go through those doors, you grab hold of God and say, come what may, I'm going to be with you, Jesus. So let me pray over you, and then we're going to dive into God's Word. Can we do that? Father, today I thank you. God, I thank you for the people that are here because there's no one here, God, a coincidence. But today was divinely appointed by you. Some may feel like it's an interruption, but ultimately it's a divine appointment. So today, God, as we discover who's following who and why we are here, speak to us, God. Speak through me. God, I don't want people to see me. I want people to see you in me, God. You're the preacher. I'm just the vessel. So God, today, use us. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, high five, like five people and say, um, who's following who? Five people, five people. Who's following who? All right, don't get out of hand now. Hey, listen, are you ready to dive into God's Word? We had a packed house in our first service today. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, but, but God has a word for you. So, so let me just say this. Today, we're going to look at our main text, which is Jonah chapter 1. Just go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter 1. Um, for those of you who are excited about turning to Jonah chapter 1. <laughs> All right. Um, Jonah chapter 1 is a passage of scripture that I preached out of about two and a half years ago. And in so doing, there were so many things in chapter 1 that I did not get to cover. And so I thought, you know, one day I'm going to go back to chapter 1 and we're going to talk about the nuances of chapter 1 and some of the things that we didn't get to cover. And so that day is is today. So, So let me set up this story of Jonah. Let me give you a brief synopsis of Jonah's life. Jonah was this incredible prophet to the nation of Israel. Jonah loved being this incredible prophet to the nation of Israel, but but God called Jonah out of the nation of Israel to go to to the city called Nineveh, which was over in Syria. Now, Jonah was very comfortable being the prophet of God in Israel, but he was uncomfortable with this new door that God had opened up for him to go to Nineveh. And so he's going to Nineveh, or he's told to go to Nineveh, and Nineveh is this wicked city. It's full of corrupt people, barbaric people, doing very sinful things. And and, and so Jonah is like, no, I I don't want to go. And in the process of telling God no, God 
causes a sequence of events to unfold in the life of Jonah. First off, Jonah's on a ship, and and the people on the ship realize that Jonah's responsible for the storm. They throw Jonah overboard. Then Jonah becomes fish bait, and a fish comes up and and eats Jonah or swallows Jonah. and, And then three days later, God commands the fish to spit Jonah out onto dry land, and he spits Jonah out onto dry land. And then Jonah goes begrudgingly to Nineveh, and he preaches the gospel. And then he sits up on a hillside waiting upon God to destroy Nineveh and to judge Nineveh because of their sin. And he realizes God's not going to judge them. And so he says, God, then just take my life. He's had this life or death situation, and now he's willing to die because he doesn't want these people forgiven. That, that's the story of Jonah. So, so here's what I want to do. I want to give you a couple of concepts. One is abstract, and I'm going to build around it. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the very first thought. Our success or our capacity for success must be developed through him. Our capacity for success, and I'll explain this word capacity here in a few minutes. Our capacity for success must be developed through God. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a verse or two, and I'm going to offer some conjecture. Mainly, we're going to stay focused on verses 1, 2, and 3, and then we'll probably read the rest of it together. But but I want you to see this. Everybody look with me in Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says this, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Let me say that again. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I love the intimacy of this passage of Scripture. Sometimes we just gloss over it. But the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord is intimate. The word of the Lord is instructional. The word of the Lord is seed-giving. The word of the Lord is life-breathing. The word of the Lord comes to us in order to increase our capacity. Let me explain that. This past week, I had to go to a conference out of town with a ton of other pastors from North Carolina, from our denomination, and there were several preachers who were preaching, and one pastor was preaching, and he gave a message, and he had five points in his message. I, I, for the life of me, could not tell you what those five points were. Couldn't do it. He got to one of those points, I think it may have been point number one, and it was the word capacity. I cannot even tell you how he was using the word capacity. All I know is that when he said capacity, my mind began to conjure up images of capacity. What does capacity mean? I I began to contemplate capacity. I I began to to think about capacity, and and what does that mean? Because then I, I began to think about, well, hold on a second. We've been created for a specific capacity. We've been created by God for a specific purpose. He fashioned us. He tooled us for a specific purpose. There are specific doors that he created us to walk through. We have a capacity, a certain capacity that he created us for. Now now think about this. The word capacity here is equal to why I am here. It is your capacity, why I am here. So in other words, if, if our success or our capacity in life, our success in life has to be developed through him, then why I am here must be developed through him. You'll never discover why you are here unless you first develop your relationship with him. Are you with me? It says, and the word of the Lord came 
to Jonah. You see, it is the word of the Lord that energizes your capacity, why you are here. It is the word of the Lord that fuels your capacity. It is the word of the Lord that engages your capacity. It is the word of the Lord that folds back the layers of your capacity. It's the word of the Lord that opens up the next chapter in your capacity. It's the word of the Lord. In fact, if I were to show you a, a, a verse in Scripture, actually a few verses in Scripture, hold your finger there and turn with me over to the book of Psalms. Psalms 119, I want you to see this, the power of the word. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah. So, so can I ask you something? What are you doing with the word of the Lord? What are you doing with it? Not just the written word of God, but the spoken word of God. What are you doing with the word of the Lord? Because he wants you to dwell upon his word. He wants you to contemplate his word. He wants you to engage his word. He wants his word to be the most important word in your life. He wants his Bible to be the most important Bible or the most important book in your life. He wants his Bible to be the most important app on your telephone. Hello? So what are you doing with the word? Let me show you something. Psalms chapter 119 verse 9 says this. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Verse 11, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How many of you have heard that verse before? Look what else he says. The the psalmist writes, praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. He says, with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Statutes is the word of God. He says, I rejoice in following them. And look what he says in verse 15 and 16. He says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. You see what he's saying? He's saying that you cannot develop your capacity without developing your hunger for his word. You cannot discover your capacity without discovering what His Word says about your capacity. You cannot recognize and walk through the right doors without having first walked through His Word. Are you with me? See, we're always looking for a word. We're always, we're we're like, give me a word, give me a word. In fact, this past week when I was at this conference, a a pastor friend of mine in another part of of the state, he walks up to me and he says, Mark, give me a word. And I'm thinking to myself, to be honest with you, well, get into God's word and you'll, you'll receive a word. That's where God's word's at. Get into God's word and you'll receive a word. But, but I didn't say that to him, but, but I will say this to you. Let me give you a word. The Bible says in the book of John that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The Bible says in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, it says to to meditate upon the the words of the Lord both day and night. Never let them depart from your lips, and therefore you will be prosperous and successful. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to not be conformed to the image of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is your mind renewed? It's renewed through the reading of God's word, and then you will be able to test and prove what God's perfect will is. Hello, that's the word. Some of you are saying, well, that's easy for you, Pastor Mark. You, you have to study God's Word because you have to preach us God's Word. Well, that used to be my thought. I used to think, man, I have to study God's Word because I have to teach you God's Word. But then the further I've gotten into my ministry and the more mature that I've grown in my faith, I realize I don't have to study God's Word. I get to study God's Word. And when I get to study God's Word, He gets to feed me. And when He gets to feed me, I get to feed you. 
see, it's the word of the Lord. What, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It, it's that word that God places in your spirit that begins to grow. It's that word that you cannot ignore. And when it begins to grow, you cannot deny its existence. And then you're compelled to act. It's the word of the Lord that grows inside of you. You know, you, you think about this, and, and, and I look back at verse 1. It says, and, and, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah. See, I received the word of the Lord. I received the capacity of the Lord through his, his word. I begin to dwell upon his word. Think about this with me for a moment. Maybe you need to personalize this. Maybe the word of the Lord has come to you. What has the word of the Lord said to you? Maybe the word of the Lord has said, sell your business and go into the ministry. Personalize this. But the word of the Lord came to Bobby. The word of the Lord came to, to Jim. The word of the Lord came to, to Zane. The word of the Lord came to, to Sarah. What, what has the word of the Lord said to you? Maybe it's to sell your business and to go into the ministry. Maybe it's, it's to forgive someone who needs to be forgiven. Maybe it's to become a tither. Maybe it's to raise your kids in a godly way. Maybe it's to overcome the secret sin. And here's the plan as to how to do it. What has the word of the Lord said to you because listen when you begin to focus upon pleasing God and you take the word of the Lord and you apply it to every single area of your life like your relationships your marriage your finances raising your kids your private life then you will begin to increase your capacity in every single area when we desire to please God, and that is the main focus in our lives, God cannot help but to bless you. You, you see, the person who desires to please God never has a problem finding his purpose. In fact, I, I may have said it another, another way. People who live for his pleasure have no problem finding his purpose. Hello? Can I get an amen? An oh me or something? Let's go to verse 2 or we won't get done this way. Verse 2. Everybody with me? Verse 2 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, and here's what the word of the Lord said. It says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Listen, it's a short verse, but yet it's directionally profound. There are two things. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. Think about this. Go and preach against it. What is it that God is asking you to do? Where is it that God is asking you to go? And once you get there, what is it that he's asking you to do? Grab this. I want you to apply this to, to your life. Get inside of this passage of Scripture and live it for a moment. What is your Nineveh? If right now, if you were to stop and you were to think about your surroundings, think about your, your family, think about your business think think about your your career think about your neighborhood think about the people that you're around every day what is your Nineveh what is God asking you to do in your Nineveh because to be honest with you we all want God to bless us but there's also an application to God's word it's it's not just about being blessed there's also an application there's also a responsibility uh, when it comes to God's word. God's word is not just for auditory purposes. Are you with me? 
God's word is not just for us to hear it. And the spoken word came to Jonah. It wasn't there just for him to hear, just so that his ears were tickled. He gave him a command, go to Nineveh and preach against it. See, we want to sit back and wait upon the blessings of God. God, give me your blessings. Give me your blessings. We want to do that without moving our feet. God, give me your blessings. God, I want to live your blessings. And it's kind of like this. We want to live according to that old hymn. That, that old hymn that goes, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. And this is way before your time. It's almost before my time. But it's almost like this. Count your blessings. It's like counting money. You know what I'm saying? Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. So we're over here. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Come on, God. Give it to me. Count your blessings. See what God has done. But there's also this other hymn that God wants us to live by. It's all to Jesus. I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will live love and trust Him. But in His presence I daily live. But count your blessings, name them one by one. You've got to go to Nineveh. You've got to preach against the wickedness, count your blessings, see what God has. You got to go to Nineveh. All to Jesus, I count your blessings, name them one by one. You know, that's the way we are. I'm just getting all up in your business. You know, that's how we are. We want God to tickle our ears and we want the blessings of God without moving our feet. Listen, let, let me just say this to you. We ought to praise God for the blessings of His Word. We should praise God. We should take an opportunity right now and praise God because God is the one who can make ways when there seems to be no way. God is the one who makes streams appear in the desert. God is the one that can make those barren areas turn into green pastures. It is His joy that is unspeakable. It is His peace that surpasses all understanding. His grace is all-encompassing. His love is more than enough. We ought to praise God for that. But there's more than just praise. There's also push. It's more than just sitting back and waiting upon God. There's also a verse 2 that says, Go to Nineveh and preach against the wickedness. It's not just receiving from God. There's also responsibility from God. Can I be honest with you? And I'm going to get up in some of your business right here. Right now I'm going to read your mail. Some of you are waiting on the blessings of God to come to fruition in your life, but yet you're not willing to live the responsibilities of His Word. The burden of responsibility is equal to the weight of the blessing. Good Lord, that's good. You take that and tweet it. Just give me credit for it. Let me get a little further up in your business. Now, let me just... I told you this is not necessarily the most comfortable message, but sometimes you, you have to preach to where people are, right? Do you love me? Some of us, we don't want to walk through certain doors because we're afraid of the pain, or we do not want to experience the pain that that doorway will bring. And therefore, we just tell God no. We forget about what Paul said. Paul says that you've got to die to flesh every single day. You've got to buffet your flesh every single day so that you can overcome sin, so that you can overcome your fleshly desires, so that you can overcome your personal preferences. Therefore, you can live the life 
the capacity that God has called you to live. See, let me be honest with you. Some of us, and this is just factual, some of us, we want to follow God. But only if it's not going to cause me to lose a piece of who I am. God, I'm willing to follow you, but, but not in my finances. Woo. God, I'm willing to follow you, but, but not on my computer because there's some websites I need to be hanging out with. God, I, I'm willing to follow you, but I'm not going to forgive her. God, I'm willing to follow you, but, 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 but not on Saturday night when I'm clubbing. God, I'm, I'm willing to follow you, but, but I don't want to have to go to Nineveh. I don't want to hang out in Nineveh. I want to hang out right here in Israel while I, where I am comfortable. Can I tell you something? It is your unwillingness to dethrone your flesh that ultimately leads to your inability to live the capacity that God has created for you. That was good, amen. I received that. It is your unwillingness to dethrone your flesh that ultimately leads to your inability to live the very capacity, the reason why you're here, that God created for you. Let me take you to verse 3. You with me? Verse 3 says this. It says, but Jonah, okay, so the word of the Lord came to Jonah. He said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach against it. And look at this. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Oh, hold on a second. Let me talk to you about this Nineveh for a second. Nineveh was a wicked city. In fact, Nineveh was the largest city in the ancient world. But very, very wicked. Very, very barbaric. Very horrific. They would go to other capital cities in other countries and they would annihilate that city, capture their leaders, bring all of their leaders back to Nineveh, skin them alive, bury them up to their chins, take tongue extractors and extract their tongue and nail their tongues to a board that's placed beneath their chin. Then they would rape their women and children in front of them and then they would behead them all and throw their heads outside of the gate as an example to anyone who would defy their desire. Can we say whacked up? Not only that, but Nineveh was the arch enemy of Israel. And God has said to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach against its wickedness. And Jonah's like, there ain't no way. Not only does Jonah not want to do it, but here's why. Number one, he's scared. Number two, he doesn't want God to forgive them of their sins. He wants God to judge them of their sins. But number three, and here's the biggest reasons why, is because he does not want to go to Nineveh because he's comfortable in Israel being the big dog on, on campus. And it's easy for him to do that, but yet he doesn't want to go to, to, to Nineveh because it's going to require something of him, a doorway that he doesn't necessarily want to walk through. But listen, let me tell you something. Obedience will require extreme effort on your part. 
There are things that God will require of you that's going to require every ounce of energy, strength, trust, and faith. That's why here at Epicenter Church, we don't have a small vision. We have a big vision. Build a dream center that will help our community and the needs of our community. We're in the next couple of years, the way we're growing, we're getting ready to go to a third service, but the way we're growing, we're going to have to probably relocate in the next couple of years so that we can expand the vision. Then we want to go to multi-sites, and then we want to work with homeless, and then we, we, we are working with homeless. We sponsor all kinds of homeless shelters. We're working with foster kids like, like it's going out of style. We've adopted low-income schools that we work with on a daily basis all of the time. Those things are difficult to get involved in someone's life that's a mess those things are difficult but God has called us to reach the lost at all costs it's about sacrifice it's not about us it's about what he wants to do through us and are we going to be obedient or not listen let me tell you something ministry is messy and God has called us to get a little messy going to Nineveh was messy but let me let me say this to you and here's the second thought The second thought is, you've got to make sure that the door of least resistance is not rebellion. Write that down. Make sure that the door of least resistance is not rebellion because rebellion is sin. Think about this with me. Look back at verse 3. Verse 3 says that when Jonah gets the word of the Lord, he ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the for the port after paying the fare. Now, let me just say this. This is a different sermon, but, but notice when you are disobedient to God, you end up paying the fare. But if you're obedient to God, he pays the fare. Hello? So he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard the ship and sailed for Tarshish. Wow. I want you to think about this with me for a moment. He's going to Tarshish. Jonah gets on a boat headed for Tarshish. Here's what's funny about this. Think about the plans that he had to make. He goes to a port. The boat happens to be ready to take him to Tarshish. Isn't it incredible how we can make detailed plans to avoid the work of God, but we cannot do the same to conquer sin? Shout me down when I'm preaching good. But we're the same way. I mean, it's like there's certain doors we're just not willing to go through. If the door is beautiful and it's packaged neatly and it's got a wonderful wreath and it looks like it's all painted fresh, man, that's got to be God. <laughs> but allow that door to be cracked up and the paint be kind of messed up and the wreath kind of crooked and, and, and it no longer says welcome, but there's yellow tape that comes across that says caution. And you reach for the doorknob, and the doorknob falls off, and it's like, "Uh uh-uh, this can't be God. But but let me tell you something. Some of you are thinking, well, if God wanted to see him saved, then he would make it easier. No, no. God didn't call us to a life of ease. He called us to a life of obedience. And the moment that, grab this, the moment that the looks of the door outweighs the obedience of your heart, you're going to begin to make plans to go in the opposite direction of where God called you to go. Hmm. That's pretty good. So he's heading to Tarshish. Why is he heading to Tarshish? Because here's the deal. Tarshish is the exact 
geographical opposite direction from Nineveh. In fact, there's 1,500 miles that separate it. And he said, I'm getting on a boat and I'm going to Tarshish. Why? Because he had a personal agenda. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Think about this with me for a moment so that you can grab this. If you read the last part of verse 3, you get the mindset of who, of who Jonah is. Jonah said that he was leaving there because he wanted to flee from the Lord. If you were to study Jonah's life, you would find out that he was this incredible prophet in Israel. But he didn't want the responsibility of Nineveh. He viewed Nineveh as an interruption rather than a divine appointment. You grabbing this? So it says that he wanted to flee from the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is heavy here because what it's saying is that sometimes our personal agendas, if they outweigh our desire for God's word, then our capacity is aborted. If your personal agenda outweighs God's word, then your capacity will be aborted. Here is God calling Jonah to go to Nineveh. It's the presence of God leading him to Nineveh. Come and go to Nineveh. Preach against Nineveh. Tell them about their wickedness. But yet he gets on a boat and he goes to Tarshish in the exact opposite direction. Some of you are allowing personal agendas in your life to outweigh the word of God in your life and you're wondering why your capacity is not being reached. Because God is calling you over here to Nineveh. I I want you to go and invite your neighbor to church, but you're over here in Tarshish saying, let somebody else do it. God is calling you to become a giver, but you're over here saying, if I go over there, then I cannot do the things that I want to do for myself. God is calling you to spend more time in his church, to resurrect your family, to work on your relationships, but yet you're over here saying, but but then I have to give up this or not do this, and and I don't want to do that. God is telling you there are people to see, places to go, ministry to do but yet you're over here in Tarshish saying I've got another personal agenda and you have the audacity to say why am I here see when God's presence is leading you one way make sure that the door of least resistance is not rebellion because rebellion is sin think about this with me because this is ironic isn't it ironic that whenever God called him to go to to Nineveh he just happens to go to a port that there happens to be a boat that's heading in the opposite direction isn't that how the enemy works all of a sudden we get there and it seems like this is easy and so you just jump on board because the boat just happened to be in the right place at the right time and then all of a sudden you begin to think well maybe I I miss God because this wouldn't feel this good if it was that bad This wouldn't be this way. It couldn't be all so bad because some good things have happened out of it. And all of a sudden you become confused. And God's called you to Nineveh, but but you're settling for Tarshish. Your capacity is never realized. Listen, the enemy will always, when you begin to rebel, the enemy will always be there with a boat to take you to Tarshish. In fact, can I show you something? And whoever's playing for me, come on back because we're going to be closing this thing down. But... In Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, I want you to see this. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Here's what God says about that very concept. He says, if you do what is right, grab this, everybody say right. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Sin is crouching at your door. 
There's another boat for you to jump on that's going to take you in the opposite direction from where God wants you to go. And it's going to feel right, it's going to look right, it's going to seem easy, but it's not going to be right. It's going to be rebellion, and rebellion is sin. It says it desires to have you. Grab that. It, whatever it is in your life, it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. Oh, wow. The enemy will always provide another boat for you to go in a different direction from where God has called you. Now, now let's read. Can we pick up and read some together? You with me? Still love me? Verse 4 says this, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All of the sailors were afraid, and each cried out, to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he had laid down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and he said, How can you sleep? Get up and call upon your God. Maybe he will take notice, will take notice of us and we will not perish. Verse 7, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. Isn't that how God works? Watch this, verse 8. So it says, they ask him, tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? Grab this. Don't be so naive to think that your disobedience does not affect those around you. Your disobedience directly affects those around you. Remember, we covered that at the very beginning. Opportunities, divine interruptions become divine appointments. Whether or not you're going to take the opportunity. Look at verse 9. It says, He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? And he said in verse 12, why don't you pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault and this great storm has come upon you. Verse 13, instead the men did their best to row back to land. Grab this, they're they're, they're going against it. Listen, God's already set this thing in motion. But they could not for the sea grew wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, Oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Verse 15, Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. Verse 16, though, it's beautiful. I want you to see verse 16. Verse 16 said this, and this is for somebody here today. This is prophetic. It says, At this... The men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Hold on a second. Before this, they didn't have anything to do with God. They didn't have a relationship with God. But calamity caused them to have a relationship with God. Here's my point. God will use your afflictions to change your convictions. God will use the pain in your life to draw you closer to him. God will use the storms in your life so that you'll navigate to to, to, to more calm waters. God, God will use brokenness in your life so that you'll realize the need for wholeness. God will use the pain in your life so that you'll realize the need for Him. God will use afflictions in your marriage so that you'll bring God back to your marriage. God will use afflictions in your finances so that you'll realize He's got to be in the middle of your finances. Listen, this storm was not there to pay them back for their sin. This storm was there to bring them back from their sin. 
this storm was not about retribution. It was about restoration. But look at old poor Jonah. I want you to see this. Verse 17, it says, But the Lord provided a great fish. He thinks this thing's over. The seas kind of calmed down. And the Lord provides a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Can I just take a moment? I'm going to close this differently than I had planned. Can I, can I do that? Look at verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. This is the very first mention of Jonah even calling out to God in this passage. He's been going through hell on earth, but now he finally calls out to God. God hears his cry. The fish vomits Jonah out onto dry land. Jonah goes to Nineveh. He preaches to the Ninevites begrudgingly. He does not want God to forgive them. And after he finishes preaching to them begrudgingly, he has this one-on-one confrontation with God because he's angry. Look at chapter 4. Take your Bibles, look at chapter 4. Read it off the wall if you want to. Here we go. It says, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, this... Is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious God, a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Verse 3, now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Grab this. This story about Jonah is that Jonah was willing to die because he did not want these wicked people to have a second chance. But the story about Jesus is that he is willing to die so that we would all have a second chance. Look at verse 4. It says, but the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. He's waiting on God to just blow it up. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Wow, pretty angry. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? And look what Jonah says. He says, I do. Isn't it incredible how we get angry about things that are really our own doing? We walk through the wrong door, refuse to go through the door that God called us to go through, and then we have the audacity to be angry because things are not going the way that we think they should go. Watch what he says. He says, I am angry. I am angry. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about this great city? Grab this. If you were to go back through all four chapters of Jonah, what you would find is that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah disobeyed. And so the word of the Lord, the Bible says, commanded there to be a storm. And there was a storm. The Bible says God commanded 
them to throw Jonah overboard and they threw him overboard. The Bible says that God commanded a fish to swallow Jonah and the fish obeyed. The Bible says that God commanded the fish to spit Jonah out and the fish obeyed. The Bible says that God created a vine or he commanded for there to be a vine to be created and the vine obeyed. The Bible says that he then commanded the worm to eat the vine and the worm obeyed and then he commanded the wind to bring a scorching wind and sunshine so that the vine would wither away and the wind and the sun obeyed everything in this book of Jonah obeyed the Lord except prophet Jonah who's following who Who's following who? Because God has a capacity for your life that will go untapped until you begin to follow Him in the way that you know you're supposed to follow Him. So why are you here? It's to please God order for him to increase your capacity so who's following stand at your feet and bow your head if you enjoyed today's message we would love to hear from you Epicenter Church is located at 2512 Fort Bragg Road in Fayetteville and you can reach us by phone at 910-485-8855 or by visiting our website at www.yourepicenter.com.